Hi, I'm Leah Carey, and this is Good Girls Talk About Sex. This is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. Before we get started, I want to tell you this. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with the things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hello, friends, and welcome to the final episode of season one of Good Girls Talk About Sex. I can't tell you how excited I am to be here for a couple of reasons. One, because I really love this episode, but also because it took more than a year to go from the very kernel of an idea of this show to when we actually launched. And right up through the beginning of the season, I had no idea if it was any good. As the season has gone on, I have been overwhelmed and humbled and so grateful for the responses that I've gotten back from you, the listeners. I've actually had feedback from several different countries all over the world, from people from lots of different particular backgrounds, telling me really deep personal stories about things that they've learned or changes that they've made in their relationships because of things they've heard on this podcast. And honestly, there is nothing that could make me happier than that. My goal in doing this is to help all of us, myself included, to understand that whatever we enjoy is okay. And I think there's so much confusion and shame and awkwardness around that, that it has made me so joyful to hear your stories. That is exactly the kind of thing that I was hoping would happen with this podcast. And honestly, it could not make me happier. So every one of you who has reached out to me, whether publicly on Facebook or Instagram, or privately through email or private messages, thank you. I am so grateful to know that you're out there and listening. It means the world to me. And it's what makes me want to keep doing this because I know that it's valuable to you. Um, so without further ado, here's what I decided to do for this season finale. Each week, as listeners know, I ask the guest a series of sort of rapid fire Q&A. And I call them the quick five because I choose my five favorite answers from everything I've gotten from them. But I don't ask them just five questions. I usually ask 10 or 15 questions. And then, like I said, choose my favorite answers. So what I decided to do with this episode was to compile all of the answers from all of the guests for this massive quick five extravaganza. What you'll hear is me asking one question, and then you'll hear 
all of the different answers to that question. You'll hear a whole variety of answers to every question. And I hope that that will leave you with the understanding that every one of those answers is okay. However you do you and you do your body, it's perfect. It's exactly perfect for you. So because I'm compiling a lot of different material from different interviews taken at different times and under different circumstances, the audio is kind of going to be a little more variable than your average episode, but I think you'll enjoy it. And I will be back at the end to talk a little bit more about my takeaways from season one of Good Girls Talk About Sex. Enjoy. Approximately how many sex partners have you had? 100 plus. 20, 22. 16? 12. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> over 30. Nine. I just added that the other day. Um, it's got to be over 150. <laughs> I, I lost count. I started a list, but I lost count. <laughs> What is your favorite sex position? Doggy style. Missionary. Uh, from behind. Oh, all of them? I have a very, very fulfilling and satisfying intimate life with my partner. So I don't think that I could pick one, truly. Um, all of them. Uh, I don't know what it's called, but like, but like, like if he was sitting on a chair and I'm sitting on him. It depends on who I'm having sex with. <laughs> I don't really have one because okay. it really depends on who I'm having sex with. I love being on top because I can get maximum pressure and, um, you know, my clit gets a lot of stimulation. If I'm writing it right, I can rub my G-spot. It's like all the things. I'm going to say doggy style. Going down on somebody. Um, uh, side saddle. Uh, which means that I am on my side with my leg up and um, someone is fucking me on their knees on the bed. When I'm laying on my back, but he's like upright. Strapped up behind him with my hands on his hips, pulling me into me. What is your favorite sex toy? My hand. Oh, the rabbit. Honestly, anal plug. <laughs> um, it's purple and it has a variety of speeds and it's you know small enough to carry with me wherever I go. Nice. Vibrating dildos, the one you can put in or not. Hands. A vibrator. Oh my God, I just bought one the other day. It's called the Womanizer. So it's totally at the top of my list right now because it's awesome. A little vibrator egg. It's like on a stick, but it has the little egg on the end. Those are very versatile. Uh, a strap-on, vibrating strap-on. That you're wearing or someone else is wearing? Both. I want us to both have an experience with it, um, but probably them wearing it and me receiving the vibrations. Non-battery operated are my ropes. That's easy. As far as favorite battery operated, we have one that it's, it's sort of an egg with a, with a tail, um, and it has a disconnected, a, a wireless remote that I can wear on my finger like a ring. And so I like to insert that into him and 
just sit and watch a movie and play with it. Oh, do I have to pick just one? I admit I enjoy variety and we have a number. We have a lot of sex toys. Do you have sex during your period? Oh, hell yeah. It's like the best time because you can feel so much and it's so much more open and lubricated. (laughs) I think we did at some point long time ago. We haven't in the last five, six years. No. I usually, um, my periods are very uh, heavy and, and rather intense and I feel very tired. They take a lot of energy out of me. So there, there's not a lot. Forget sexual desire. There's not really a desire to do much of anything other than like consume chocolate and and live under a blanket. So, yeah. I have not had a period in quite some time, young lady. When you were having your period, did you have sex during your period? Yes. If, if the um, gentleman in question was willing, often they weren't. Yes, lots. <laughs> it, it look it stops when you're fucking, so it's fine. <laughs> I do not. Yeah, sure. Why not? I had an ablation when I was 45, so oh. I haven't had a period since I was 45. Oh, man. Um. Yeah. Sure. If 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 I'm not all crampy, yeah, it's not the first day. Sure. <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. It hasn't happened a lot. I I, I did like it, but I also was like self-conscious about it um but the person i was with said they really liked it so um that made me feel better yes now that was something i came into as i got older i used to i used to be kind of squicky about it he was always like whatever put down a towel we got a shower um i was always a little more eh about it but um you know part of the opening up that my partner and i had was definitely you know going all in and for me it was dropping some of some of the kind of shame and worry that i had about certain things and really accepting his acceptance of me because it was complete and it always had been i just wasn't really able to accept that do you have hair down there or are you bare I'm very hairy. I have hairy armpits. I have a hairy pussy because I have very dark hair and I only shave my legs when like it's really hot outside and I'm, all I'm going to be wearing is shorts. I love hair down there. However, it takes me some time to get the balls to grow it down there. When I'm, when I'm first starting with the guy, I tend to be cautious and take everything off. I feel very sexy when I have full head of hair down there. I have hair down there. I trim it because... It just feels cleaner, and also because there's a lot of gray hair down there. There's a lot of gray hair up here, too, so what the hell? Right now, I am bare. I mean, I let it grow, and then I shave. Grow, shave, so. Like, not grow like crazy, but I shave regularly. Nope, I got hair everywhere. I'm over that shit. I don't shave shit anymore. Look, if you want to be with this, you got to be ready to go to the jungle. (laughs) Uh, I shave, but I don't wax, so I shave everything, like maybe twice a week. I definitely started doing it because that's how it's supposed to be. Um, I prefer now to have for like my partner to shave. So I usually do the same thing. Um, and I know that's our preference too. 
Uh, I'm lasered, which is actually an interesting thing because in the body acceptance world, sometimes I wish I could just grow a big bush and rock it and like, <laughs> I can't. Bear. I got lasered at about 45. Fair, fairly shaved, somewhere between three quarters and 100% all the time, I'd say. How much maintenance does that require? Uh, it's pain in the ass. Um, I usually, I wouldn't say I shave every other day. I shave based on like when I'm working, like like I worked last night, so I shaved yesterday, and then I work tomorrow. Oh God, I'll have to shave on Thursday too, you know. But like if I hadn't worked till Friday, I'd let that shit ride till Friday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it takes as little. How much maintenance? As little as I can get away with. That's the answer. <laughs> I like having hair. Mostly because I hate shaving because I'm Middle Eastern and it sucks because um, I'd spend like an hour just on my bush. Um, I've discovered shortcuts in terms of clippers. <laughs> um, I have gotten wax down there, which I really loved, but it's it's expensive and then I get ingrown hairs. Um, so I like that, have maybe doing that like two times a year because I really like it when it's super smooth. Um, it's such a nice change, but um, trimmed. Oh, bear. At the moment, I'm still shaving, but I swear to God, the next time I have a significant amount of money, I'm just going to get it all taken care of. Oh, hair down there. All natural. I have very soft, not curly, so he actually prefers that I don't trim it. And I'm like, fine. (laughs) Do you have a single orgasm or are you a multi-orgasmic woman? I've never had multiple orgasms, so I'm going to go with single. I am a multiple orgasm person with with you know with the right person. Sometimes that right person, in fact, more often the right person is me. Um, <laughs> it's like there's a little break, but then there's like, oh my god, and then, oh my god, <laughs> oh my freaking god. <laughs> I'm so fucking multi orgasmic, like bottomless well. Ah, uh, multi. Yeah, like one, in one sex session, if that session takes all afternoon, then I guess multiple. But if it means, what I imagine it means is like within three minutes you have, you know, two orgasms, then I guess probably not. What is your favorite masturbation fantasy? Jacuzzi jets. Uh, people are watching. I don't know. I'm at like one of those like awesome pools in Vegas. <laughs> Or the Caribbean. <laughs> I'm thinking about this right now because I, I have many fantasies, but this is the one, first one that popped into my head. So I'm going into uh, the hot tub or jacuzzi. Um, I'm naked. There's like jets just, there's like four of them all around. And then the water's really low with people watching. <laughs> uh, I've just like, I've had a really big, big day, like full day. And I get home and he's just like, I got you. Girl, sit down. <laughs> We're going to put the music on. It's going to be great. And then he just like pleasures me and I don't have to do anything. (laughs) I can't do it off of a fantasy. I always turn on a porn just for like the first minute. And then, you know, I'm done anyway, because if I'm using a toy, that gets you off so quickly. It's always someone I don't know. Like I have to make up a fictional character, which is just speaks to my my brain works like a novel. So it has to be someone that I don't know. I can't even give them a name that I am aware of. Like it has to be somebody completely like not in this life. And whatever, whoever the, whoever the person happens to be, there's always someone that I actually do know who's watching. <laughs> 
uh, girl on girl porn. Fantasy is like whatever I'm missing most at that point. Like what it, I feel like it always follows some other emotional need, you know, like if I'm wanting attention, then there'll be like 30 people drooling over me in my fantasy. If I'm wanting, you know, intimacy, then it's just like a romantic, a really close thing. Um, sometimes I, <laughs> my, my baby fever, sometimes it's like about trying to get pregnant with this sort of anonymous person <laughs> who is like the future baby daddy. Um, so yeah, I guess it, it depends on what I'm emotionally needing at the moment. Usually kind of a non-consensual encounter of some kind. Usually me being the receiver, but sometimes the other way around too, where I'm seducing somebody. I masturbate kind of sporadically, like I'll kind of forget about it almost for a while, you know, like maybe even a month or two. And then I'll, usually it'll happen like when Peter's gone to work, it's usually when he's gone or something like that and he's not going to be back for a while or, or whatnot, I'll, I'll be like, oh, okay. And I'll just, you know, just usually kind of sometime in the early afternoon, like some thought will enter my mind and I can't get it out. And I'm like, oh, he's not going to be home for like hours. Oh. I guess I better go masturbate. <laughs> sometimes I grab a video from Tumblr or from Reddit kind of thing. And sometimes it's a literatica story. Sometimes it's pegging. Sometimes it's not. Yeah, it's, it's so varied. Do you swallow during a blowjob or not? Yes. Swallow. I spit. I don't need to swallow anymore. I'm married. I gave him two kids. I'm not taking that shit in. <laughs> okay, so one time we had a fight and I swallowed after that. And he was like, you never have to do that. Don't ever feel like you have to do that. Um, I do swallow um, when I choose. I love fellatio when I really like the person and also when I'm aware of the kinds of foods that the person eats. I do. I do swallow. I used to not swallow, but I swallow now. It got inconvenient to spit. <laughs> um, I started not minding the taste. Like, I, yeah, I kind of like the taste now. So, <laughs> Swallow. If the, if the moment's right. But I'm a big fan of, like, seeing it squirt everywhere. That's really what I love to watch. Like, that, that's the best moment for me is to, like, feel I'm about to go and then just watch it. <laughs> swallow cleanliness is important tidiness <laughs> it's a challenge too sometimes because it's it's all about timing <laughs> and you know because that normally isn't just one squirt it's a couple and so it's like timing okay swallow now oh 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 no there's too much oh god now now i'm gonna gag and now and it's funny because anytime i start gagging we start laughing <laughs> Which, which for us is great. I love laughter during sex. So for me, that that's just hilarious. But for other people, it might take them out of their, their mind space. But I love it. <laughs> How much noise do you make during sex? A medium amount? I'm not super quiet, but I'm also not very loud. Like I, I could live with other people around me, thin walls, and we'd be fine. <laughs> It wouldn't be a huge problem. <laughs> I make a lot of noise. I am very vocal. I, I do. I, I've experimented both ways because I often thought that I was just being vocal as a performance aspect. But I do find that when 
I'm not vocal, it's a lot harder for me to come. Like hearing my own voice and hearing the ecstasy actually like makes helps me to come faster or at all. And I also, when I hear other people, like there's been so many times where I've heard my neighbors upstairs having sex and that's turned me on so much and they're very vocal. A lot. And sometimes it's laughing and sometimes it's, oh my fucking God, <laughs> or more or here or, but yeah, I make a lot of noise. It can go either way. With the kids, we can be really quiet. If the kids are not home, especially if we're using a toy, I can be screaming and laughing at the same time, like really loud. I'm not like super noisy, but I like to talk and I like to be talked to. I really like for the persons to be whispering in my ear so that I'm hearing, but I'm also feeling the sensation of their breath like on my ear. So that like adds arousal for me. Um, But I love for them to like tell me, um, you know, what they're doing or what it feels like or what they like to do. I would say I'm like medium. I'm definitely like a heavy breather. Um, and when I'm getting close to orgasm, then I will be louder. I think, I I think in general, like I don't scream. I know that. Um, I think I'm, I'm moan and and make noise, but I would definitely say that like for the times that I'm probably the loudest, I'm also not at all focused on what's happening, uh, sound wise. So I don't really know. I'm moderately noisy. Um, you know, again, it depends on context, but I definitely have a voice when I was married. I was incredibly silent I had no I was totally silent could even orgasm so I could totally I could orgasm silently without touching myself I could just do it like in my thinking and I could make myself have an orgasm I'm pretty quiet actually it's usually more like a louder outburst right at the end but up until then I'm usually fairly quiet about things I try to let my partner know how I'm feeling but sometimes I actually have to think about oh yeah make a noise um, I want to make a lot, so um, uh, it's hard for me to do that when I have housemates, but um, I'm pretty vocal. Like a ridiculous amount. Like, I can't have neighbors. A lot. <laughs> a lot. And sometimes I see other people and they're just like, uh, uh, and I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> for me, it's like a pressure valve. I mean, if I'm holding it in, the pleasure isn't as good and letting it out kind of lets that energy flow and just magnifies that pleasure. Do you prefer penetration or external stimulation? Penetration. I don't have a preference. I would prefer both. The orgasm from clitoris is much different from inside. However, I can come either way. And the closeness I feel to my partner when he's inside me is unlike anything else. Clit stimulation, please. I'll be honest. Sometimes I'm just too lazy for foreplay and I just want to get off. I just want to have sex and just get that out of the way because I want to feel good from it. Like it just takes away your stress. So at that time, I'm like not interested in anything else. Just fuck me and we're not making love right now. You're just fucking me. So it just depends on what I'm looking at, like what what the mood is. Actually, I prefer to be penetrated because even with I, I like thumbs better than fingers. And the reason is because if someone's laying like like parallel to you and and they insert their their thumb, like so say like you're on the left side and the other person's on the 
on the right side, then they would insert that hand, that thumb inside. And then I can like squeeze my legs together. And so I get like, um, I get, I can get my, the inside of my clitoris stimulated and the outside stimulated at the same time. And it makes for the most delicious orgasms ever. Penetration. I have never had one from penetration. So I, I have to say clit. Penetration. It, I would say actually it's more about penetration for me. I kind of need both. It's not that I can't come without penetration, but it's easier for me. Clit stimulation. Well, I don't have a preference, and sometimes it's having stimulation in three places. I, I don't want to say that there's a, a favorite, but that's kind of one of the favorites, is like three places. They feel very different, but I like both. Do you prefer to be the giver or receiver of sexual pleasure? That's tough, because I like both. Um, I I think when I first started having sex, I wanted to be the giver because I was more in control of it. Yeah. And as we've discussed, <laughs> uh, that was a thing for me. But um, I think now in my life, I, I, it's just, it's reciprocal. It's, it's kind of like a beautiful exchange to be able to give and receive. So I like both. <laughs> I'm learning more and more to be the receiver. And so that, since that's still a new area for me, I would say I'm both. I really love giving and I really love receiving. Receiver. I'm selfish. <laughs> yeah, I like to be both. I really love I really love giving pleasure because it's such a power trip and I love being the receiver of pleasure also. The receiver. Mm. That's so that's a very hard question. Um 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my friends, I hope that you enjoyed that little compilation as much as I enjoyed putting it together. And I hope that you heard something in there that really spoke to you. I know that making the first season of this podcast has really spoken to me in ways that I didn't even expect. It has been joyful. There's been a lot of difficulty. I had to learn how to use equipment. I had to learn how to do all the technical stuff that goes with making a podcast. But the actual conversations and the sharing of those conversations with you, that piece has been nothing less than joyful. And I'm just so grateful to all of you for showing up. It's helped me to find my voice and understand who I am and what's important to me. The fact that others have shown up to find it enlightening and useful, that has been the best gift I ever could have asked for. So as we wind this season down, I wanted to share some reflections on some of the moments that really stood out to me throughout this season of Incredible Stories. And the first one that stands out really clearly to me is in the very first episode, Liz talked about sitting on a rope swing when she was age five and not knowing what it was that felt good, but knowing, oh, this feels good and, and I want to do it again. 
And uh, I had a listening party for that very first episode when the podcast launched. And that moment when she told that story was electric in the room with the women listening to it. As soon as the podcast ended, then we all started talking. That was the first thing that people started talking about. Oh my God, the rope swing. I had that exact same experience. And all of these women who maybe would not normally talk about about or even think about that moment at age five when they climbed on a rope swing, we're suddenly all sharing that memory of that innocent moment when they first discovered, oh, something feels really good. And that was so fun to witness that sharing. So I got excited about the idea of listening parties for these episodes. And I would love to encourage all of you as we move into season two later this spring, maybe you want to have a listening party with some of your friends. Moving on, Jesse Neeland talked about thinking, well, sure, uh, something kind of shitty happened, but it could have been so much worse. As she put it, If you hear about a girl who got kidnapped and was somebody's sex slave, you're like, well, some dude touched me inappropriately. You feel guilty because other people have it so much worse. We put ourselves on a spectrum of who deserves to heal. That is such an important message. There is always going to be somebody who has it, quote unquote, worse than you do. There's always going to be somebody who has a more treacherous, more violent, more trauma inducing story than you do. That does not mean that you're not allowed to hurt over what happened to you. And it does not mean that you are not allowed to heal you are allowed to feel the feelings and have your experience and do the work to heal so that you can have the healthiest, happiest, most fulfilling sex life that is possible for you. Turning to the topic of religion, Terry told some really interesting stories about having grown up in Pakistan and then moving to the U.S. at age 10 and how sort of having a foot in two worlds really affected her relationship with sex and sexuality because she learned a lot of lessons from Islam about how boys and girls are never meant to touch and you're not even allowed to watch kissing scenes in movies. And then she came to the US and all of her girlfriends were doing all of these things and she wanted to do them too. And she talked about how as she became more and more Americanized, that she received a lot of pushback and even rejection from her family. And something that really struck out to me was when she said, I still believe in Islam. I realized that no matter what religion you are, God will never be okay with you treating other humans like garbage. This has really stuck with me and kept me thinking. 
And it sparked an interest for me in talking to people who have grown up in various religious backgrounds. And so you're going to start to hear more of those stories in season two of people who grew up in really strict religious backgrounds and how that affected their attitudes and their experiences of sex. I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing those interviews. I have to tell you how much I loved doing the interview with Tristan. I know that he's not the face that you would expect to go with a podcast called Good Girls Talk About Sex. But he was so open and generous in talking about his experience as a trans man and the attitudes and behaviors that he learned while growing up in a body that the world saw as female, and how that has changed now that he is living in his true identity as a man. And I especially loved when he was talking about how we tell other people about the things about us that make us nervous. Um, He was talking specifically about dating as a trans man and wondering how do I roll this out to people so that they hear it as a potential positive rather than assuming that it's negative. He said, I want to send them the message that I'm empowered and this is going to be super fun for both of us. So it's not going to be treacherous. I love that. As a woman who has been concerned about the size of her body since I was a young teenager until the last couple of years, I have gone into every dating experience assuming that my body would be unacceptable to the person on the other side of the date and that I was going to be rejected. So I had to figure out ways to mitigate the awfulness of my body so that they would get to know me before rejecting my body. This one mindset shift could have changed everything for me to look at my body and say, there's nothing awful here. I have extra flesh to grab. And you're not going to get that with some little mini skinny Twinkie. No offense to the mini skinny Twinkies out there. (laughs) And, And you have your own special things that you bring to the table. But that that each of us is showing up in a body that's going to be super exciting for somebody. And we need to show up in a way that lets that person know who is going to be excited about it, who lets that person be excited and know that we're not going to be bringing a ton of drama to the table about, do you love me because I'm fat? And oh, I need you to constantly tell me that I'm okay. And I need you to constantly do this. And I I need you to never say the wrong things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that we can be the ones who shift that conversation. I just love that. And finally, probably my favorite quote of the entire season came from Kate. She's the dancer at a strip club. I absolutely love when I asked her the question that I thought a lot of people would be wondering, which is, what happened that you became a stripper? Her response was, What happened to me that I became a stripper? What happened to you that you became a cop or a marriage counselor? (laughs) 
I think that's the most brilliant answer because it's true. We all just do different things. And once again, as long as we're doing something that gives us pleasure, that doesn't hurt anybody else without their consent, what the fuck are we all so worried about? And so my friends, we come to the end of season one of Good Girls Talk About Sex. Thank you again for spending this time with me. I look forward to seeing you again soon. I'm going to take a little bit of time off to record episodes for season two, and I'll be back near the end of May. In the meantime, keep an eye on this feed. I may drop a couple other little tidbits in the feed during the off season. I I don't want to promise anything, but uh, it's possible that there will be some other small little tidbits that I can share with you during the off season. Please do come find me on YouTube. I'm releasing a video there once a week at I am Leah Carey. The link will be in the show notes. Also, if you don't know, I am a sexual communication coach. If you would like to learn how to communicate more effectively with your partner so that you're getting more of what you want in the bedroom, let me know. Also, if you are someone who's still dating and trying to find a partner and you want to communicate more effectively so that you're having better sexual experiences while you're playing the field, as it were, please get in touch. I would love to talk to you. I am here to help women to identify what they really desire and then effectively communicate that so they start getting it. I no longer want us to be lying on the bed, staring at the ceiling fan, waiting for it to be over. I want us to be getting the pleasure that we want and deserve, not only because that's what we should be having, but because it'll make it better for our partners too. So please come find me, leahcarry.com. I will see you soon for season two. And until then, here's to your better sex life.